the, the, the knowledge very limited on the mainstream. And so the crazy thing was boxing was, was fine. Boxing was allowed. Boxing was like, you know, where it was and um, for, for the combat world in New Zealand. And right. so there were a lot of people that came before me, like my coach at the time, Lolo Heimuli, who was also, you know, a guy that competed. And, um, and then uh, after he, he was done with competing, uh, he um, opened up his own camp and whatnot. And, and prior to that, I had another coach from, you know, a world champion from Thailand. And, but even then, so I truly understand, you know, that part of it because it took a while um, uh, for, for the public to really kind of embrace what kickboxing was about. And now, you know, th these past years, of, I mean, years and years have gone by and the, obviously the evolution of the sport from boxing to kickboxing to mixed martial arts, you know what I mean? And so, and that took a little bit of time. And I think, uh, you know, now over there. So yeah, no, no, I, I, I get, I can truly understand when a lot of our um, Polynesian uh, athletes, if you will, mm -hmm. um, you know, they all go to football, especially here in the States. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. For sure. Well, um, Monik's already started recording uh, to all of our, uh, all of our listeners and, and, and all of our followers. Man, it's such a huge, huge honor, huge. man, to, to, to introduce Ray Sugarfeet Sefo. Uh, um, like such a such a big inspiration to us here on the Tough Lock Podcast. Um, you deserve to be in the UFC Hall of Fame. Hopefully, that comes soon. Um, he's also the president of the PFL. Man, such a such a big inspiration. Like, yes. as a Polynesian growing up, you don't see our 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 kind the head of things and seeing you going through your your illustrious career and then getting to where you're the president of a, a whole mma fighting league it's man it's it's one that our people especially for us like we we dreamed about seeing guys like you and 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 the rock and and every and jason momoa just taking this world by storm and it, it that that's that's what we're trying to do and uh, man, we're we're so blessed. We're so thankful for you coming on to the podcast today. It was not that, like I said, I, I appreciate you guys having me, and thank you. I mean, it's um, it's always like just listening to, and thank you for that introduction. Um, but when I listen to that, like, uh, it's crazy. Like my whole life, for me, it was always about doing the hard work. It was always about putting the work in. Uh, and all the things that I achieved along the way of this amazing journey. And of course, I thank the good Lord every day for it. Uh, I don't really kind of think about it until like yourself, you, when you, when you list out these things and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. but, but I, but I think what really, um, but I think what really stands out the most is um, just knowing that I can inspire like people from all around the world, let alone my own people, you know, and then listen to you brother um, say that it's just, you know, the journey is still continuing, but at the same time, it's, you know, 
I, I can't thank the good Lord uh, enough, but I do every day. So it's been a blessed journey. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I also forgot to mention he's also the, the head coach uh, over at uh, Extreme Couture. Um, I, I've Me personally, I've been talking to um, uh, Ty Gwerder. Shout out to the Oos. Right. Um, he's also agreed to come on. We're, we're uh, excited to have him on. We're going to have you on soon. It was just, it didn't feel right. And, and including one of your fighters without including the great Ray Seffel, man, you know? Yeah, no, Ty is, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a young up and coming talent that I think uh, he's got a very bright future ahead of him. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, let me stop talking. Let my brother speak a little bit. But uh, my brother, he, he's the one that, that's actually introduced to just got his fourth stripe in blue belt. Uh, oh, nice. move up in, it's a purple man. Like and when I say that you inspire so much, like me and my brother, we went, we've been through a lot of a lot of bad things in our lives. You know, just just things that like us kids, we go through. We, we put ourselves into danger and danger comes finds us. But Right. To see where, where, what Jiu-Jitsu has done to my brother, man, it, it means so much more. And I'll, I'll let him speak on that. Right, right. I've been seeing a couple of videos of you uh, doing Jiu-Jitsu lately, man. It's so awesome to see you in the gi. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the, uh, hey, congratulations on, you know, being graded again. You. But, you yeah, know, for me, you know, martial arts has always been uh, amazing and fascinating and interesting and, like, all of the above, right? Mm -hmm. And now I've been grappling uh, on and off, you know, just with training and whatnot with the team. But I realized that that the MMA grappling or MMA or, or jujitsu grappling is no gi is you know a lot different than Thank with you. the gi on. Yeah. This, right. And it's funny though because you know now. Um, working with Ronnie, who's a, who's a, you know, a good friend, a brother, uh, but he's also a, a legit black belt. And, um, and working with him and the things he's like, we're going through and whatnot, it reminds me so much of, of the stand-up game because the stand-up game, there's so much to learn and details and, you know, like you take a half step one way, it could cost you the fight. You take a half step the other, you could win the fight. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. the same with the gi. There's so many variables and so many things to learn from it. Um, so I'm I'm really enjoying, you know, uh, learning and and um, see how far you know I uh, can go. Obviously, at some point, and that's you know a few years a, a few years away. But at some point, that's yeah, the goal is to to uh, get my black belt. But that's going to take time. For sure. I've got, I've got all the time in the world. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes, sir. So speaking on that, um, what what was the – I read something that your first martial art you, you uh, dove into is Wing Chun. Is that true? That's correct. That's oh, correct. Well, how did that happen? Well, you know, I come from a boxing background. My, my dad used to be a boxer. My uncles used to box. My cousins used to box. My brothers. And at the age of five, my – my uh, dad gave me my first boxing gloves. Um, oh, and, and I'm the second youngest of nine kids. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and uh, so at age of five, I was sparring my cousins and brothers and whatnot that were two, three, four, five years older than I was. But I, for some, I, I guess uh, I was, you know, having fun with it. And, um, and then by, I think it was the age of seven, 
could have been eight. My dad rented a um, a Jackie Chan a, J- a Jackie Chan movie and a Bruce Lee movie. Oh uh-huh, yeah. And, and uh, that I was hooked. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just watching uh, all the different movements, and you, you're allowed to kick, you're allowed to throw elbows and knees and whatnot. Uh, now, obviously, over time, I realized that you can't fly. <laughs> but I thought that I thought that part came with you know, <laughs> with right. um, but anyhow that's kind of like how it started and then one of my one of my friends from uh, high school um, was was actually already doing Wing, uh, Wing Chun and, and um, and I had asked if I wanted to go, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So the day I actually went was the day I joined. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and then come to find out that, um, you know, uh, Bruce Lee had also um, started, you know, had also done Wing Chun and, and a few other arts along the way. And so that in itself was, you know, um, not only inspiration, but also allowed me to, you know, kind of connect the dots. Right. And, um, and yeah, so I did Wing Chun for six years. Um, and then after that, six years, yeah, six years. And then I switched from Wing Chun to Muay Thai. Oh, I see. So with all these different um, styles that you've practiced, do you have a favorite that you lean more towards? Um, no, I, I, I think what I've done that, uh, like even, and it's kind of, um, that happens within my coaching is that, you know, um, I've kind of put boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, uh, and Wing Chun together. Cause there are some shots like a typical uppercut for a boxer is, you know, you roll your, your wrist over, right? right. In Wing right. Chun, you punch this way like this. Right. And so mm-hmm. I've actually um, it's funny because my fight against Gary Goodrich, that's how I bring his head up and the left hook landed. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so there are little things here and there that I've actually taken from all the discipline, dis- disciplines that I've done and mm-hmm. kind of added into my own game as well into coaching. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes you real, real, really well-rounded. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Um, so so um, when you were doing Muay Thai, did you ever go train in Thailand and did you get an indulgent in the culture or anything like that? I did. Um, it wasn't until I was well into um, uh, K1. I, I think uh, I was with K1 might have been five, six years before I went to Thailand. Because I had okay. a lot of uh, friends of mine from Russia that trained in Thailand. Um, oh. And so I, you know, uh, I decided to go as a, as a vacation kind of thing. And, you know, while I was doing that, I could also train, which I did for, I think, two or three weeks. Um, and, you know, the training there, the training in Thailand was, was great, but it didn't differ much at all from where I was coming up and, and um, well, when I was with my uh, Muay Thai coach from Thailand, oh. um, where when I, when I switched camps because this camp closed down and I went over to uh, Lolo Muli's uh, camp, um, 
And uh, Lola's another, you know, a coach that not only also comes from traditional martial arts, but also from a boxing background, his family. Um, and, um, and what I found was they, you know, the, the training with the, our camp in Liga was a, uh, was a lot more advanced in the way we approach training and in the way we trained where, you know, um, in, in, and I mean, I'm not trying to say anything negative about Muay Thai because Muay Thai is, is truly amazing and it's still part of my life, but we focused a lot more on boxing um, with kicks and elbows and knees um, all together rather than just strictly traditional Muay Thai. Right. If that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. It, it, uh, it definitely did you good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to ask, do you have any memorable fights? Like, what's one of your most memorable fights from K1 era? To be honest, they, they all meant something. They all um, had... Um, uh, well, I couldn't not include all of them because that was part of the journey. Right. You know what I mean? And so... For me, was um, just the fact that, and my wildest dreams. I never would have thought, as a young Samoan kid that grew up in New Zealand, never thought, never. You know, I, I remember back in when I was 15 years old. I remember questioning myself, what I was going to do with my life, and where I was going. And at the time, um, the thing that. Um, came to mind and maybe because back then also uh, in New Zealand, the, I think 95% of television was American television. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so uh, Tips was one of my favorite programs to watch <laughs> as a kid. Right. Yeah. And so being a cop was one thing that I wanted that really stuck out in my mind. Of course, I was also this young Polynesian kid who was a dreamer, um, I would watch films like um, Superman, Batman. I wanted to be like the superhero kind of thing, mm -hmm. kind of character, you know what I mean? And so the, in my mind at the time, the closest thing to being a superhero was being a cop. And, oh, you know, and so that really, um, and also the fact that I wanted to do good, I think. Um, and and help uh, the community and the you know and whatnot, and so and so it wasn't until you know martial arts came along, and of course I fell into that. That's another whole story. But the you know going back to the question, there's so many fights that, or should I say, all the fights uh, leading up to winning six world titles and just six different weight classes, they all meant something. But the sure. fact that I was um, part of this core group of elite fighters in the world for 12, 13 years was, was something that I never dreamed that or dreamt that I would uh, be part of. And so, but the crazy thing is though, when I travel the world, the one fight that sticks out to everybody's mind is the Mark Hunt fight, which is <laughs> another sure. so. sure. <laughs> You know? And so, that fight in itself um, is the one that stands out the most to everybody. Right. 
That's that's actually what I was gonna ask about. <laughs> so that's that makes it. It's, it's two do, two big names. For sure, I do have a question. Which uh, which one? Especially because you fought so many so many big names. Um, which hurt the most, Melvin Manhoof's leg kicks or uh, Mark Hunt's overhand? Or which one were you more uh, aware of and, and that that you were trying to? really pay more attention to to make sure you don't get caught with you know the funny thing is uh it's none of those actually really um and what you know after the fight i was actually surprised that with those two fights um the the it you know it didn't really hurt or phase me which is and i and maybe part of that was <laughs> because I was so aware of how dangerous both of these fighters were. For sure. You know, I was so aware of all the, the danger that Mark brought and all the danger that Melvin Monoff brought um, because uh, they're both at the top of the game. Mm -hmm. And one was, uh, uh, was a heavy, you know, puncher, kicker. Um, and one was very good at setting up you know, kicks with his punches, um, right. and and so I think the, the the I mean, listen, both of those guys are both knockout artists. They're both mm -hmm. you know uh, very dangerous fighters. But I think the fact that I knew going into that fight and before that bout ran, I knew how dangerous they both were. So um, every element of my being that was that that allowed me to be completely sharp and and um and be aware uh was very heightened in those fights you know what i mean and so um it's probably why uh, a lot of that didn't happen but for sure, um, for sure. you know and again with mark with, with uh, mark i mean that fight mark and i went the distance mm -hmm. where with melvin i stopped melvin in 30 seconds right um, i know that's right you know um and so Again, I I knew, and it's funny though because, and again, like I I can't uh, speak enough on how dangerous both of these athletes are, and both of these guys are, uh, and how much respect I had for both of them because uh, not only that they were in that level of competition and that level of fighting, but they were very dangerous, and so I mean, um, and, and so I and you know, and I think. Part of the difference between Mark and, and and Melvin is that Mark takes a better shot than Melvin does. Right. Um, sure. And you know, and I think that was the only difference in the fight. It might be that Simon stubbornness that kept Mark up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so many people have asked me that question: Why were you guys were able to you know withstand each other's punches when you guys actually land? And knock out other people. That's mm -hmm. not you both. And I said, I think, I think part of that we one we were both wanting to win, and two, yep. we were both from New Zealand, and three, it's that typical Samoan stubbornness that <laughs> you know that yep. um, that allowed us to continue the way we did, and um, um, and it turned out to be uh, the number one fight in um, in K1 history uh, in the way it was conducted and the way it was done. The, and the crazy thing is, I'm sure Mark didn't think 
like I did, you know, we didn't we didn't think that oh we're gonna go and, and you know do what we did. We my thought was was just go out there. Our game plan was we were quicker than Mark. Um and so we were just gonna make Mark pay um miss an encounter, right? Mm -hmm. Um and then set things up for him to walk into. Of course, when Mark came out like a bull, like he, you know, the bull that he is. <laughs> yeah. That whole game plan went out the door. <laughs> and in my mind, in my mind, I was like, all right, we're doing it. This is what we're going to do then. So we stood and bang. And, um, yeah. you know, um, and so it made it for a great fight. For sure. Made history. Sure. And, and, and that's, that's one thing, like, um, because that was such a highlight, and, and seeing you and Mark like throw throw one two and then give each other a hug and still throw at it, man! Like <laughs> you have every time I strapped on my chin strap and I saw another Polynesian line up across the way from me. Oh, I knew like I had a I had to like <laughs> summon those Ray Seppel and Mark Hunt vibes. I had to make sure I knocked this fool's head off in, in, in right. the name, just for the honor of your guys' names, man. Like, <laughs> No, and that's exactly you know. Every time you you cross the across the ring or the cage from another Uso, you know you got to bite down and, and bang hard. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, huge. Um, I, I, the funny thing, the funny thing though, you know, just so that viewers know, is that that fight actually bonded Mark and I. Like we knew each other, just high and how you that was it kind of thing. Right. But that fight after that fight was far. I had so much respect um, and love for Mark. And I think, you know, that part of that too is because every, every time you fight somebody, especially in that kind of intensity, mm -hmm. um, you take a piece of that person and he takes a piece of you. Sure. And, and so the love and respect was always there from there on in. Um, and every now and then, like, you know, when he fights uh, at the time when he was fighting, I would take some, you know, with some luck and, and so on. And so we would go back and forth. Funny enough, it was probably six months ago that uh, he texted me and he says, hey, um, I'm looking to, uh, to put these things together. And uh, I think Japan can, you know, pay us some good money to do the rematch. I'm like, I'm in. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Oh, yes, I hope so. I hope so, man. Yes. Um, oh. But, you know, um, you know, I don't know if it ever happens. It just depends. Um, For sure. And, and then this COVID-19 thing happened. Right. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And so, right. I don't know. Uh, maybe that was a sign. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. maybe. There's some chic out there or someone in Japan that can afford to put it together. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, speaking of Polynesians, uh, you've been mixed up with. How, how did the, if you can um, elaborate for our listeners, how did you come across starting to spar and train with uh, David Tua? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, what well, David. Um, uh, David's a good friend, um, and before David went to, uh, to the Olympics, um, see the thing is back home in Auckland, our gym was was one of the very few kickboxing gyms that uh, boxers would come to for sparring, and oh. yeah, and or we would you know get uh, get asked if we would go there. Um, cause, and so, yeah, so that's where I first met Dave was, um, when he was getting ready for the Olympics, I believe, um, or had a few fights before the Olympics. Um, 
So I knew him from, you know, before, before he even went to the Olympics. And then uh, after that, when he won the, uh, the bronze medal in the Olympics, he got picked up by the Dubers, moved to the States. And two years later, he came back to New Zealand for his kind of homecoming fight. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, we were, I was asked to go along and, and help. And, um, but yeah, no, that's how that relationship. Um, and, you know, even to this day, I, I was just talking to somebody that it's also connected to Dave. And I said, make sure you, um, oh, I'm not a good friend. It was August <laughs> and uh, uh, from New Zealand. And uh, I was saying to August, you know, to give him my love and say hi. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. <laughs> Just to see the big names all together, man. That's so cool. All right. Uh, let me see here. I did have a couple extra questions for you. When, when did you come over to the States? Uh, back in 93. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, a long time ago. Oh. Um, and, and I think the, the initial two years, the first two years, I was going back and forth. And then I decided to stay for good. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because a lot of my friends from Europe had always thought that I was still living in New Zealand. Oh, right. Yeah, then when I was telling them, they were like, what? We had no idea. Heck, yeah. (laughs) So so being a... so for those that don't know the uh, the PFL, you are the president of, of that fight league. How did that all come to play? Um, obviously, your name holds a lot of weight, especially in this MMA world. But how did you acquire and, and what drove you to take over for the PFL? Because it was the World Series of Fighting before, and then you right. got changed to the PFL, right? Well, well yeah, I founded the uh, WSOF. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. correct. And so what happened was K1 was in, uh, I, I had heard through the grapevine that K1 was was in a little bit of trouble. And the, the shows, the regular events wasn't happening as it was uh, or prior to that. And so um, I kind of had a feeling that something was up. And then I was also looking at and i also knew that at some point that 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 timeline was was moving up fast in terms of you know retirement and so i and for me i had i wanted to find something that kept me in the game that kept me um being part of what you know of what's happening now and so um I called up a, uh, a buddy of mine, and funny enough, because I, I had heard that he was, um, uh, oh no, he called me that Saturday. So Friday night, I was, I had an interview with uh, Tabout Radio, and as I was talking to them, something clicked in that interview, because, you know, they were big fans of K-1 as well as um, Mitch Marshall Watson, and so, uh, and it just dawned on me that uh, maybe it was time for me to to look and look at starting my own thing, right? Um, and so the next day, I think it was like eight o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from uh, one of my buddies, and he had asked what I was doing. I said, "Listen, I'm headed to strength and conditioning, but I I um, I'd like to talk to you about an idea that I have." Um, 
And he's like, yeah, cool. Let's, let's uh, catch up for breakfast. And so caught up for breakfast, told him about uh, WSOF. Well, at the time, it wasn't WSOF. Right. Told him about the idea of uh, doing a, one, you know, doing a, a million dollar tournament, changing the, the you know, the, the landscape a little bit from uh, the normal MMA uh, structure to a very similar structure that I came up with in K1. Right, a Grand Prix. And, right, and, and a Grand Prix and whatnot. Um, and instead of fighting three times in one night, fight twice in one night. Um, right. And then, and kind of change that from, um, you know, uh, just a normal show and, and put it into a league format like the way it is in the U.S. Uh, with basketball, um, NFL, NBA, football, um, baseball, you know, and all that. And, um, and he liked the idea. And so we kind of went to work and within a week we had offices. Oh, and man. that was, yeah, and that was the birth of uh, WSOF. Um, and of course, you know, um, uh, as time went on, I think it was like three years later, certain people's agendas uh, were different to mine and a few other uh, partners. And so uh, we kind of parted ways with other people and uh, then the new group came in um, and PFLs was, was born. And the idea, uh, but you see, the thing is with WSOF, we didn't end up doing the format that PFL is today because we had a guy, well, according to my buddy at the time, uh, said that he had a guy that was willing to put in a hundred million dollars, and of course that didn't happen. And so um, the original show, I think, was supposed to happen in August, and ended up being pushed back to November, I believe. Uh, so there was a lot of things, you know, that uh, went on to try and eventually put it together. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that I had also told my partners that day was. Oh, back then was that uh, we needed to have a network deal. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't uh, go ahead with it because when the UFC is at, you know, at this level and mm-hmm. then you had Bellator also, all the local shows are down here, which, you know, no, because, you know, local shows, you need local shows because you're building talent, why not? Right. For but sure. I didn't want to do a local show. I wanted to... Uh, have fighters from all over the world, you know, um, yeah. uh, especially with that kind of K1 style format, if you will. Yeah. And so uh, through one of our team members, uh, we ended up getting a, a meeting with NBC and uh, eventually that deal happened and we were on NBC for, I believe, four, I want to say four to five years. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the, the, with the switch over to PFL, um, and now we've been, uh, you know, PFL started the season off with uh, ESPN, which we're very grateful for, because, you know, they're truly amazing partners and um, they're the leaders in sports yeah. today, you know what I mean? And so we're very fortunate um, and thankful that uh, we have a deal there. That's awesome, especially that they're so big in MMA now. It's, it's right. perfect. Right, right. 
Man, I love and I I love that format. It's so it's so awesome. Like it gives you it gives you like you said the American sports appeal, the playoff type of system. Um, right, right. And, and you know the thing is the thing with that is that it, it's nobody can judge that um, and say, well, that guy didn't deserve that title, or this guy doesn't do this and that, because yeah. you win, you move forward. You know what I mean? And that's you know that's exactly how uh, it works. And of course. Uh, the 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 biggest payday is at the end of the rainbow. Um, is at the finals, and you get to walk away with a million dollars plus throughout the year. Heck yeah, man! Take care of your family. Take care of you. Right. So, um, making the making the idea to go with that format is it is it from being coming from your that format before, or is it like looking out for the fighters because you obviously you know how it is. Sometimes you get screwed over or another person gets the shot like that is it was it more for the fighters or was it more for this that format that you came from i think well it was a bit of both you know what i mean um because um in k1 we were well looked after as fighters and so and then the format um obviously the format with k1 was uh there was no playoff system uh the the, the way it worked with, with K1 was that you fought throughout the year um, and then the results of your fights, and then you get picked, selected for the top 16. And then that top 16, the winning eight becomes the Grand Prix uh, at the end of the year and where you got to fight three times in one night. Um, and so uh, the, the, the appeal of having the playoff uh, was uh, was kind of cool to me, and then the championship, you know what I mean? And so that's how that all kind of came about. Uh, but yeah, no, it was definitely a, uh, a bit of both where obviously, you know, fighters needed to be looked after as well. And, um, and from my own experiences, um, we were looked after well through K1 and, and whatnot. Obviously, towards the end, it wasn't so cool because they ended up finding bankruptcy, owing me millions and millions of dollars. And um, but it is what it is, and so it's uh, it's uh, the past, and you move on, and you try better things for yourself as you keep moving forward, because that's what the journey. You know, it's all part of learning. It's all part of uh, the test, if you will. Absolutely, absolutely. And and with the PFL, I'm pretty sure the fighters appreciate it. It's a win-win for them. So if if you win, you get to move on. That's awesome. So, all right. Um, uh, speaking of uh, from fighting to your lifestyle now, what, how was the transition into coaching for you? Um, it's nothing's changed because uh, even when coming up in in the rankings, I was also still kind of coaching throughout our you know at our uh, gyms and whatnot. And right. then when I started my own team, um, back in '98, I think it was. Um, I was, you know, when, when the, my guys fought, I was the head coach. And when I fought, they were the head coach. And so uh, the, the actual the transition into um, full-time coaching, it was just part of the journey, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is there any, anything that sticks out to you the most now? Like, what's your favorite? Do you have any favorite parts of coaching at the moment? Um, I don't. I don't know if it's a favorite part, but it, what I what I love about what I mean, what I've uh, experienced and, and know is that 
coaching is not, and you know, obviously I've said this, uh, being a coach is not just about someone that knows how to hold pads. Right. Somebody that knows, you know, what it feels like to be there and someone that knows how to uh, advise fighters in regards to um, whether they're overtraining or undertraining, um, helping them with uh, training and sparring and everything else. And so, um, but what, yeah, so I guess what I've learned more in that coaching uh, part is that you become more of a, uh, a father brother figure where, um, and of course, I also know from my own experiences that um, that you can't feel like they're your your kids and you gotta go. No, no, you gotta do this. You gotta do this because that's not the case. You know what I mean? Uh, um, they're growing men. They're adults, and so um, I can only advise on what I think is right. And the decision is ultimately theirs, you know what I mean? And so, and whether I like it or not, that's just the way it is. I just have to support them 100%. For sure. For sure. I do have a question, um, especially with um, uh, how social media culture is and, and how uh, yes. here in the, in the States, people are pretty vicious. Um, a lot of people don't know how... Um, how like Japanese culture and all that is. Uh, and I've heard so much thing, so much great things from the fans there, like that they're very educated on the sport and they're a lot right. more great. How was your experience w with the Japanese uh, audience and fan uh, base? You're absolutely right. Uh, and what you've heard in terms of uh, how the Japanese uh, fans are well educated. Yep, they absolutely are. Excuse me. They're educated in the sport. They're educated in um, the judging and everything else. Like they're just amazing fans. Uh, it, it's it's amazing how uh, well they uh, they know the sport and how well they I, you know they're very educated people. And so I guess that they, they they just do their homework and um, they're just truly amazing fans. Um, they're loyal to you to the bitter end. And, and for them, it's not about uh, winning or losing. Of course, winning is always great, but it's always about um, who you are as a fighter and who you are as a human being to them. You know what I mean? And, and that's one thing I've learned, uh, I've noticed about the Japanese fans is that they're very loyal, but they're also caring and they don't really um, care too much in into they don't play too much into that politics um they're just loyal fans and uh yes uh, to answer your question 100 percent, they're, they're very educated fans that's awesome that, that i've heard that a lot as well um uh being being from that from that uh era how does it feel carrying carrying like passing the torch down to new mma uh especially polynesian fighters how does that how does it feel when uh, people like young, younger Polynesian fighters reach out to you and show you how much inspiration you've been to them personally? Um, yeah, you know, just like I said earlier, um, I'm the guy that uh, I've always done the work and I've always allowed the work to uh, inspire people uh, to do its job and, um, and 
I, I guess my thing is, is always that if I'm true to myself and the way I put in the work, um, that will show up. And people are very, you know, the human race are, are very intelligent people and uh, they can see right through the BS. You know what I mean? Right. And so uh, I've always allowed the, 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 the work to do um, the inspiring and whatnot. And of course, it's so, um, what's the word? I, I, it's inspiring to know that I've inspired people. You, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Like it, it, it just um, today, a, uh, a coach uh, from New Zealand, another uh, uh, Samoan uh, Polynesian kid um, who coaches out there, and he, he sent me a, uh, oh, he, he was coaching and something was on, you know, um, on his social media. And I, co I commented on, I said, hey, great work, keep up the good work. And he responded back, and this was like five, six hours ago. And he, his response was because he, he was like, man, it's such, it's such an honor to get that kind of compliment from you because you've inspired me throughout my life. You've inspired so many people, blah, blah, blah. And these are kind of things that, and it's really nice and humbling to know that that is the case. But um, with the hard work, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, again, it's nice. And, um, and I've had a few athletes reach out and whatnot. And, and it's so good to see that there are a lot of young and up and coming, you know, uh, Polynesian fighters that uh, want to be part of this um, world and part of this journey. Yeah, and, and it, I think it means a lot more when, when you look back and, and you look at the legends and you see someone that looks like you, that's come from a, a culture like you. I think that's super inspirational, especially on our part. We're not even in the, in the MMA at all, and it's, you still inspired us. So that, that's, that's awesome, man. That's super, super awesome. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask as well, uh, let's see here. What is your what is your overall opinion on uh, mixed martial arts, the sport it is today, especially like the Conor McGregor movement, how he's kind of made it more of a talking your way into a title shot? What What, what is your opinion <laughs> on the outlook of the sport? Um, I'm not even going to comment on that <laughs> um, because – you know, um, I have other opinions on it, and I, I'd rather leave that as is. But in terms of the uh, strictly MMA, MMA, it's a sports, it's a martial arts on its own. And when I heard that the first time, and I heard that from Bas Rune, who's a good friend of mine, and Bas Rune said it right, you know, that's exactly what it is today. Uh, uh, MMA, it's, it's a it's his own martial arts made up of so many martial arts and so many, you know, arts. And so it's the, the way the evolution of the sport from boxing to kickboxing to MMA has been absolutely mind blowing because back go, go four or 500 years ago, no one would have ever thought about kickboxing, you know, like it was just boxing and sure martial arts in the, in the, um, the Asian world, um, if you will, that was part of, you know, uh, their culture. And so, uh, and then time goes on and then suddenly 
kicks were and elbows and knees were allowed. You know what I mean? And um, and then fast forward another because I remember the first time seeing uh, the UFC was back in '93. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in because uh, my one of my uh, older brothers grew up in California, Orange County, and I remember sitting in this lounge watching the first UFC fight card, and um, and so just even watching that, like uh, 25 years ago or 27 years ago, um, that how the game then to versus the game yeah. today has changed so much, like every kickboxer, boxer knows how to defend a takedown, knows how to, you know, scramble and get back to their feet. Every uh, jujitsu wrestler knows how to bang and, you know, and knock people out. And so it's the, the growth of the sport and the evolution of the sport has been truly amazing. And, and it's going to continue to grow as, you know, as time goes on. I mean, the sport is only, you know, 20 plus years old. And, um, and I think it's, it's still at very young stages of the sport and the sport's it's going to continue to grow, you know, um, it's the fastest growing sport in the world right now. Absolutely. And it's so strange how it's, it's so big everywhere else and the U.S. is just, just so late on the train. <laughs> um, well, and that's just it, though, because, you know, I think part of that, too, is because America is so big. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, where it's, place like New Zealand, it's only three and a half to four million people. And a place like Ireland, there's only six million people. You know what I mean? Right, so right. when you look at that kind of capacity versus, you know, 350 million people, that's a lot of big, that's a massive difference. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. So maybe that's part of that. That, that makes sense. Well, uh, my apologies for the technical difficulties, but I do want to know, um, so a lot of fight fans nowadays, especially those that watch tight with Vasa. Um, did you ever do any shoeies right after any of your victories or anything? <laughs> I know that's more of an Australian thing, but, you know, I know New Zealanders, they get down when they drink too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't drink. I've never been a drinker. Oh, no, I don't man. drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Never have. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just something that I, um, at a very young age, I, I, you know, I think at nine years old, I told myself I'll never be part of that kind of, and, 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 you know, just to give some sort of background story to us, because people might go, wow, what does that mean? But what happened was, you know, as us Polynesians love to have holiday parties, whether it be a birthday party, Christmas, whatever, right? And I think this might have been a, a Christmas party. And one of my uncles, who's a super nice guy, uh, well, my younger brother and I shared a room, and by the, I think it was like maybe 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, I walked into my room, and he was passed out butt naked on, on the bed. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, and, and he's a super um, was responsible, like just a, a super all-around great guy, right? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the first time I was nine years old at the time. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anything that he did that was out of place, if you will. Sure. Right? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, why would he do that? Um, and then I realized, you know, that he had been drinking pretty much most of the day, you know, 
Um, and so alcohol actually allowed for him to lose control of what reality is, if you will. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, I was, I was too young to kind of make sense of that. But I knew that, but I, I, I could relate it back to him being drinking all day, right? Right. So, and, and at, that, at that age, I, I made a vow to myself that I, I wouldn't drink, I wouldn't just smoke, I wouldn't smoke, I wouldn't do drugs or anything like that. And that's how my life's been, always has been. That's oh, amazing. Man. I respect man. that completely. For sure. You make me feel like I'm a terrible person now. Just- <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, the thing is, um, it's, l- listen, there's nothing wrong with uh, consuming uh, the right amount of alcohol to, to, to relax and have a bit of fun, you know, because I've seen all my friends do that, you know, and fortunately for me, Growing up, also when we were, you know, young um, fighters, a lot of my friends never really kind of got crazy. They went out and they, they drank enough where they had a, a great time, you know what I mean? Like, and, and that was it. And so, um, but going back to the question, nah, that wasn't me, but man, I loved it. But you know what, though? It made him stand out even more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Ty is, I mean, Ty came over here um, a few times with Mark and we all trained together and he's just a super awesome guy, you know? Um, And so um, not only that, I mean, he stood out anyway because he's got this big guitar when, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, being a Polynesian kid, being outspoken and whatnot. But then when he actually started doing this drinking out of a shoe thing, it just made him, you know, it gave him a character more, yeah. more or less, sure. you know, and made For him sure. stand out. And, just, and especially, you know, this time and age, that really, people took notice. And if you see, now every time he was a fight, everybody's freaking pouring drinks <laughs> into their shoe. Yeah. All the time, you know? man, all the time. It's so, it's so cool. That's so disgusting <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> I, would I would never. I would never. Especially not in COVID-19 era. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's what, you know, and that's what, um, and that's what I love about that is because that's just tight. You know, like, if anybody kind of know him on a, on a personal level, um, that's just him. And it's really cool to see that uh, just him being himself, you know? absolutely that's awesome so uh we don't want to hold you up too long we have uh one more thing to throw at you it's called not so rapid rapid fire questions so they're just going to be quick questions if uh you can answer them as as however you feel uh for the first one of our not so rapid uh questions is what was your first job what was my first job oh i was a milk boy delivering milk oh Uh, what yeah i was uh 11, 12 years old, I think. Nice. Yeah. Did, did, they, did they pay well for, for 11 and 12? Oh, at the time, it did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's how I paid um, my martial arts fees. And so it was great. Hey, that's dope. Respect. That's cool. <laughs> Respect. Uh, did you have a dream job going up? Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a cop. Oh, that's uh, right. You did answer that. That's, yeah. uh, that's awesome. Uh, do you have any hidden talents no one knows about? 
Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, I, uh, I modeled for 10 years. Um, <laughs> and um, I was uh, part of a dance group for a while. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Like a b-boy dance group or like a Polynesian dance group? The b-boy dance group. Oh. <laughs> yep. You still got your b-boy skills? <laughs> what do you mean? What's going on? Don't take me started. That was awesome. <laughs> you know the funny thing is, I just, I just uh, called one of my buddies from uh, New Zealand because there was, you know, of course, you know, during that time we didn't have these camera phones. Right. Yeah. Right? So it's hard. But so I was trying to see if you could find any videos of when we performed because we would do a lot of like the aerobics champs um just a lot of different things you would do is here and there fashion shows and whatnot uh we would open up right. for certain you know things so it was fun i mean absolutely fun that's awesome Again. that is awesome um me and my me and my brother are huge superhero fans and and it sounded like you were growing up as well oh my god I, you know i'm i'm you know justice league uh, Marvels, you what? name it, everything. Yes. Yep. I love all that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a sci-fi yeah. freak as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love all that. So this might be tough for you then, but what's who's your favorite superhero? Um, I would have to go with Superman. Ah, uh, hope. Just, and really? Just Why? because, well, um, He's just, you know, he's just got so many powers and, and, um, and strong. And the only thing that really, I mean, obviously his um, weakness is kryptonite. Um, but if I can get rid of all the kryptonites, then, and I can fly everywhere, then I'm, nobody's going to hurt me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Yeah. For real. For real. For real. <laughs> That's the best. I mean, but uh, hey, if, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, you see the Uso, Jason Momoa, I'm like, damn, I, I want to be Aquaman as well. I know, right? But man, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the uh, Black Adam to come out. Oh, with man. The rock. man. Oh, Ooh, my God. So excited. That's so be, oh, my God. I can't wait for that one to come out. Yes. Right. I, I can't wait to our, our, our official first Polynesian superhero. Right. Once we have our very exactly. first especially if they do if they did anything that tied back to like our ancestry or, or mythology, man, you have to be one of the superheroes there, right? <laughs> that would be awesome. Would uh, be, you know here's a little here's a little fun fact for you. Um okay, and you know, the other thing is uh, that I wanted to be as a kid was to be a movie star was to be, well, I wanted to be, in, I knew as a young kid, I wanted to be in entertainment, whether that be right. acting, modeling, you know, fighting, obviously fighting took that, you know what I mean? But I had always known as a young kid that entertainment was where my life was gonna go. For sure. How at that time, I had no idea. I just thank the good Lord that he was able to just guide me through those uh, paths and get to where I am today. You know what I mean? And, um, and so, yeah, but the funny thing is there was a, uh, a script that came to me um, through some, uh, you know, uh, well-known people that was in the, uh, that's in the industry. Um, and it was, just, it was, I think it was called, um, 
enter enter something like that and it was they were trying to get Dwayne to play the lead and um i was gonna uh they wanted me to play his best friend oh and i was like yeah and um and i was like no don't get this you know i don't even know if you know Dwayne ever got it you know that script right but i i got it and uh, they're asking me if i would be if I would be in, and I'm like, yeah, 100%. Who wouldn't want to be in a movie with the, with the Rock? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, uh, right. But yeah, you know, um, that was, and that was like, gotta be at least 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Oh man. Um, that being said, you look what you know what they did with um, what was the name of the movie again? That they they actually um, showed a bit of the culture of the Polynesian and Samoan culture. Is it Hobson um, Shaw? Hobson Shaw. Yep. Right. But that right. was so that was so awesome to see, you know? And it's so cool. So cool. Thank you. Well yeah. real quick before we move on. The Rock had a lot of slack of uh, of his uh pronunciation pronunciation of the Samoan words and everything. What is your take on it? Um how rated is this? It's, oh man, you could you could cuss on it. We don't, yeah. we don't give a damn. We don't. What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> 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 Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, jeez, the fact that he even attempted to—I mean, I don't know to what extent he, uh, how good his Simone is. Man, the brother, nobody's laid out and put Simone on the map as much as he has. Absolutely. So. Shut up and Hell leave yeah. him alone. Yes. Hell yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. We are hundred percent on board with you. <laughs> like when I heard the funny thing is when I heard it, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? I know. Man, I know. This brother, this brother's put some more on the mat like no other. And you're gonna freaking criticize him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even with even with uh, Maui from Moana, there were so many people complaining like how big he was. Like, man, that's how all of us look like. We all look like that. <laughs> how big he was, <laughs> man. I freaking I walk over. I'm 280 pounds. You tell me one Samoan that's less than 250. <laughs> right. 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 You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People just want to complain about something nowadays. Yeah, exactly. But hey, man, and find something that's legit to, you know, to talk <laughs> about. Not, not about sure. the rock. Yeah. Yeah. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, the rock can do no wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm on the same page. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite food? Um. No. I. Because I love all, like, I love everything. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But if I had to pick something that I eat regularly and I feel like it's, it's healthy, um, it has to be rice. Because oh. I could have rice, I could have rice with anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, uh, potatoes, you know, listen. I, I love taro, but uh, taro, the, the problem with that is that, uh, uh, it, uh, you know, 
I eat that every day, I would be easily 400 pounds. <laughs> right. yeah. Seriously, seriously. Okay, I got to say, I am a someone that doesn't like tarot, so I feel kind of... <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my brother my brother's like real opposite of that well, well, let me ask you. Um, have you had it with coconut cream? Like, the way, you know, so... Um, I, you know, the way we used to do it growing up is uh, you, you cook it first, and then mm -hmm. once uh, it, when when you feel like it's it's cooked, so then you you know obviously you cut up onions and you mix coconut cream and onions mm -hmm. together, and you pour it in and you let that simmer. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had it like that? Because that's my favorite. My brother right? is not. That's just... <laughs> Honestly, oh, after wow. I see the cream, I'm I'm like scared to try it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he's a he's a kaya someone. <laughs> I'm a I'm a McDonald's someone. I'm a McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> you you know that one kid in the family where everyone eats the someone food, and then there's that one kid that gets the McDonald's. That's this guy. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, as they say, there's always one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you have a, a favorite quote you live by? Um. Well, the one that I that always stands out, um, which kind of applies to everything in life, uh, for me is uh, fighters don't quit and quitters don't fight. Ah, that's beautiful. And I've I, I've always said that. Um, I think my third or fourth year in K one, um, I'd always you know that was one of the things that I I, I quoted in an interview, and um, I stand by that because. That doesn't just apply to fighting. That applies to everyday life. That applies to everything in life. You know what I mean? And so um, that's one of my favorite quotes. I love that. I love that. Heck yeah. I'm going to have to write that down. <laughs> For real. Seriously. So, I'll um, paint that on my wall. <laughs> so being a, growing up wanting to be an actor, uh, do you have a favorite movie? Uh, wow. Um, listen, outside of, um, outside of all the, the Marvel movies and the Disney movies, you know, um, the movie that stood out, uh, for me was, uh, Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Classic. Yeah. I mean, just to see those two together. It's it's like just truly amazing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it'd be like uh, you versus Mark Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it'd be like seeing an action movie of, uh, you know, Rock and, and Jason Momoa together, kind of thing. Yeah. Right? In that kind of action field, if you will. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, for for me, anyway. But. Um, one of the, I mean, Mickey Rourke is a very good friend of mine. And, uh, so one of the movies that I love of his, of his, uh, which also became a classic was nine and a half weeks. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Know? Really good yeah. one. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um, so coming up, wanting to be an actor, thinking back now, um, if you could reboot any role that you think you could play better, what role would that be? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
reboot any role. Oh, that's 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 actually really awesome, Christian. That being said, I don't know, I don't know if I could do that, Christian, any justice because my limited, you know, I've done uh, a few parts here and there, but not in, in not in that uh, um, capacity, if you will. Right. So I couldn't really. I couldn't really say which, and even if I did, I don't think I would do it justice just because I don't have experience in that field. Uh, and like right. I've always said to people is that um, I can only speak from my own experiences. Right. You know, it's like with my coaching. I can only give you that I've experienced. I can never give you what somebody else has done because... I don't know what that feels like. I don't know how that, you know, sure, I can uh, practice or whatever, but there's nothing more truer than your own experiences. For sure. I respect that. I respect that. For sure. Uh, any dream role? Not saying that you could play better, but any role that you think. Oh, man, I, I, hey, I, I would love an action pack role. Like, I would love a war movie. I would love to do uh, a martial arts movie. But more than anything, I, I'd love to be like, um, like be a, a detective kind of movie, you know, any kind of thing like that, uh, where there's sure. uh, mystery and thriller and action, if you will. Oh, man, I, I like that. I like that a lot. I, th I think you and your prime, you would have been amazing as Blade. Steve Ray Silver going there as a daywalker, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Blade would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we, uh, uh, you know, Polynesians, we love impressions. Do you have any good impressions? Do you happen to have any good impressions? I'm horrible at impressions. <laughs> horrible. That's okay. Me too. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have a favorite submission? Red naked choke. Nice. Right. Nice. Take the bag and get them out. Good old reliable. Right. The funny thing is, the red naked choke is something that I had always done when I was a bouncer. Oh, right. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. And and then and I didn't even know what it was called. <laughs> I just knew how to apply it. You know what I right. mean? <laughs> um, I didn't know what it was called until, obviously, uh, when I started uh, training uh, MMA, Jiu-Jitsu, and whatnot. And, but, yeah, it would have to be the red naked choke. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And for our last question on not so rapid fire questions, uh, what is one thing that you, that quarantine has taught you or that you've taken away since COVID-19's quarantine? Um, well, the basics of hygiene, you know, right. sometimes yeah. you kind of like, you kind of just forget, but you know, um, washing your hands uh, when you leave the house uh, or when you come back or, you know, just anything, you, whether you go to the supermarket or whatnot and all those kind of things that like we take it for granted. But I think, uh, if anything, uh, COVID-19 has taught me is about hygiene and obviously family as well, because you, yeah. you get to spend all day, every day with your family. And, um, you know, uh, sure, you, you, there, you agree on some things and you don't agree on others, but, but yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway is um, just making sure that my kids are washing their hands 
Oh, almost all day, every day. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Well, we we really appreciate you coming on, Ray. This, oh man, this has been a dream for us. It's amazing yeah. to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Usha. I appreciate you guys having me. And uh, this got to be one of the funnest interviews that I've done. Awesome. <laughs> man, we appreciate no, it, man. We appreciate yeah, no, it. No, no. Yeah, no, seriously. It's, it's, it's really cool. And, and it's, like I said, it's fun when you, you know, when you're asking questions that makes it fun and enjoyable, you know what I mean? So thank you guys. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure throughout all these years, everyone, you can only get asked so many times, like, how do you throw that left hook or, or how do you throw <laughs> Right, right, right. We, we, try, we try to make it a lot more, um, a lot more entertaining for our guests as well. But, man, it, it makes it so much easier when we're a fan. Like, I, I said it from the beginning of this episode, it's, and Monica's just, just covered, like, it's been such a dream just to even share this space with you. Let alone to hold a conversation and, and, and interview. Like everything that you've done has has inspired us since day one. Since my, so my um, uh, I guess he's like, he, he's like our older brother, but we had a uh, a cousin that came from Australia and, and he showed us everything of you. That that's what put us on. And <laughs> I think that was back in like what like ninety nine, ninety eight, right. and ever since, man, we. Oh man, when longest yard came out. When Longest Yard came out and everybody was all over Pop Sap, I was like, oh, yeah? Let me show you something. Oh, I know. I know. Same. Same. Like, let, let me show you what my people do. We put those guys down. You broke my nose. <laughs> right. There's the impression. Sure, but <laughs> but uh, uh, for, the, for our audiences, uh, Ray, where can they find you on social media or uh, where can they catch the PFL? Or anything you want to plug, go ahead, brother. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, you, you find me on um, Instagram, Sugar Ray Seffel, uh, which is the same on my fan page uh, on Facebook. Um, PFL, of course, we have a website, uh, pflmma.com. And um, yeah, you, you know, just uh, we're looking to do some big things. And obviously, PFL, the season this year has been postponed due to the COVID-19. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, uh, good things in the works and the season will, uh, restart in 2021. Uh, I think it's either the last week of April or the first week of May. Um, but that's when the season's looking to start again. Uh, but other than that, uh, Hey, listen, uh, a big thank you to you brothers and also to all the fans out there. I appreciate the love always. Thank you so much. And, uh, much alofas. Thank you guys. Thank you again for coming on and uh, we really appreciate it. Hopefully we can have you back on sometime. Um, but this has been, this has been an honor for me. This is your boy Monix. And thank you for joining on the block. This is your boy DJ. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're out. Thank Peace. you. So. Later.